You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. give you a little bit of a, a heads up, I guess, on uh, what I've been thinking kind of going into this service. <clears throat> I think the Lord's been dealing with me the last uh, few weeks just on, you know, I think if you, if you, goodness, if you've got your ear to anything that's going on, I think you'll, you'll probably have felt um, uh, in your, in the spirit and in your walk with God just as a, as a Christian, you know, um, I think you can feel a bit of friction. Is that fair? A bit, of, a bit of a friction with what's um, with what's going on in our world, with what's going on. You know, not just not just recently, obviously, but what you know what's going on in our in our society. And that's really kind of led me to to where I'm I'm at tonight. Amen. So I just want to kind of uh, just lay out everything there that God has laid upon my heart, and and hopefully. It will help somebody. That is, uh, of course, that is my heart tonight. That's my desire is that uh, somebody would be encouraged. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you mind if we pray uh, one more time before we go to the Lord? Lord Jesus, God, we love you tonight. God, I'm so thankful for your word, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, for every person that is tuning in online. God, I'm thankful for every person that is here. God, anybody that is going to be able to hear your word tonight, Jesus, I pray, God, that you would just have your way in this place, God. I pray for every heart, God, for every life, Lord. God, every person, Lord, who is feeling what I am feeling, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would send your encouragement today, God, that you would just help us, Lord. I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Praise God. And my text tonight, I've got, um, I've got two texts, so buckle up. You know I get two texts now. I might be up here a while. <laughs> I can't even get through that. All right, James chapter 1. Uh, verses 2 to 3, and then we'll be going to 1 Peter after that. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, or steadfastness is another word for, for patience there. And 1 Peter chapter 4 uh, verses 12 to 16. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy! Are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody busy body, excuse me, in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Amen. And I want to talk to you on this title uh, for just a few minutes tonight. Only dead fish swim with the current. 
only dead fish swim with the current. And I would love so much to take credit for that, but that is Ernest Hemingway. Just so you know, credit where credit is due. Um, so salmon, the fish, as you may already know, they swim upstream because it is part of their life cycle. Salmon are born in freshwater rivers, and they spend most of their lives in the ocean. And then they return to the place where they were born to lay their own eggs, and the cycle continues. Swimming upstream for the salmon is both a form of migration and also a way to ensure that their young survive long enough to hatch and to grow into adults. The journey is challenging, it is hard, it is fraught with danger, but it leads to the successful salmon populations that people depend on. The main reason for them to swim upstream is to ensure the survival of the next generation. The fish spawning habit is what leads to salmon passing down their genes successfully. They are born in fresh water and they migrate to salt, salt water and then they return. And it's just a cycle. What's interesting, I find, is that the young salmon, they learn the smell of their home from the time that they are born. And as they migrate downstream and into the ocean, they memorize certain scents along the way. Even after being away for many years, when these salmon return to their birthplace as adults, they will use those smells to test the waters and to find their home stream. If they swim up the wrong river, and that familiar scent of home begins to fade, they will turn around and head back to test another stream until they find their home. I think that's pretty impressive. I think that takes quite a bit of perseverance to go against the currents. When it would be so much easier to just swim along with the flow. But for these salmon, it is literally the only thing that ensures that they will survive to the next generation. There is no future for them in going along with the current, in going along with the flow of the stream. Sure, it would be easier but the result would be the end of them. So make no mistake, in both decisions, there is some pain, there is some discomfort, but there is no escaping it. One is only delaying the inevitable. And church, if I could say tonight, if you are going to serve God the way that His Word declares, you are going to face some opposition. You are going to face some trials. There's going to be some friction. Because the current of this world and the current of the Spirit are not flowing in the same direction. They are opposite to one another. And I'm not saying you should be you know, walking around miserable all the time under the weight of this world. Absolutely not. Because we are called to live in victory. We are called to have a joy that this world cannot comprehend. And when you are facing a trial today... God is looking to do a work in you. He is looking to cause us to grow. Amen? Now, there's different types of trials. In our text tonight, they deal with two very different types of trials. James deals with one side, and Peter kind of deals with a more specific side. And I want us to look at both and to look at the tools in the Word of God that He gives us to navigate these situations. And so in James chapter 1... It says, account it all joy when you fall into various trials. All joy or nothing but joy. It talks about an extended state of well-being rather than just that 
that immediate feeling of happiness or pleasure. It is a joy that goes beyond my immediate reaction to what is happening to me right now. A joy that surpasses that, surpasses all understanding. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And in the turbulent and ever-changing climate that we, we find ourselves in today, we have got to find a place where we are steadfast. Now is not the time to be unsure. Now is not the time to be blown about by every wind that blows. We need to be steadfast and sure in what we believe today. When speaking of trials, you know, I, I understand that it's really something that's hard to, to pin down. Because for everybody, it can be different. It's somewhat subjective. What is a, a trial for me is not necessarily a trial for somebody else. And I'm sure even when I say the word trial, every, every person in here has somewhat of a different scenario that would go to your mind when I mention that. For most, it's going to be whatever situation that you're facing right now. Whatever is most pressing in your life at this moment. And James says various trials... As in, there's going to be multiple, and they're going to be of different natures, different things that you will face in your lifetime. We all face various challenges in our lives, do we not? Going through all the different things that we deal with, different relationships, as we deal with failure in our life, sin, finances, our health, emotions, our, our nature. But what is so wonderful about God's Word is He gives us the tools to face whatever situation comes our way. First thing James does in verse 12 is he gives us some perspective. He said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Blessed is the person who endures testing. That describes an attitude of determined courage that is unaffected by what's going on around me. How awesome! To be able to operate in that state. that You know, it doesn't matter what's going on uh, right now in my life. It doesn't matter even what I can see with these eyes. Because I know that I am blessed today. So let's keep our perspective right uh, when we're going through the trial and the temptations that we're going to face in this life. Because no matter what uh, they are, they pale in comparison to the reward uh, that we will have when we see His face. Amen? And that is a promise from God to those who love Him. John says, or sorry, Jesus says in John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what Jesus says about those who love him. And if we strive to do the will of God and to keep his commandments, we keep our eyes focused on the, on the goal of Jesus and eternity. So number one, we've got to keep our eyes on the goal. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. In verses 19 to 25, gives us qualities that we need to endure trials. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, so listen, slow to speak, in conversation, in your speech, and slow to wrath, or anger. For the wrath of man worketh not, that worketh not means does not produce the righteousness or justice of God. Be quick, be eager to listen for the voice of God in your life. To godly counsel and to the word of God. 
Be slow to speak. Think about your words before you say them. That conversation that you have allowed yourself to be a part of, does that glorify God or glorifying something else? Are the words that you use hurtful or is it considered gossip? Are the things that you say building up and edifying the family of God or is it tearing down? Don't let your emotions do all the talking in your life. And slow to wrath. How many times do our, our words or our actions get us into trouble when we don't have a handle on our anger, we lose our temper or say something in the heat of the moment, that does not produce the righteousness of God in our lives. A lot of these tools that James gives us here, when we apply them, you know, we actually eliminate a lot of the so-called trials that we sometimes make for ourselves in what we allow our conversation to be, how we control our emotions, who we are allowing to speak into our lives, and who we are listening to. Not only do these help us in the trial, they help keep us out of situations that we can get ourselves into. But let's be honest now, not everything is a trial from the Lord. Just for an example, say you've got two friends, and you're sharing information about one to the other that maybe you shouldn't have, and they begin to start talking. Uh-oh. And find out all of a sudden that you've lost two friends. Now that is not a trial from the Lord. That is the result of you being a bad friend. And maybe that's a little harsh, but that's just an example. Verse 21 says, Wherefore, lay apart or put off all filthiness, and superfluity, which I found out means abundance, of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted word which is able to save your souls. Lay aside every weight and sin, and receive the word with meekness, and what is meekness but great power under control. When we receive the word with meekness or humility, we're understanding that the power of the word of God has nothing to do with us, or our glory, but it is to glorify Him and it is to accomplish His work in our lives and those that we are called to reach. And the filthiness and abundance of wickedness, if we allow that to remain in our lives, will just be a stumbling block to the process if we do not get rid of it and lay it aside. You can't keep it close. You can't just hide it away. You can't just put it on hold. You can't put it on pause. You've got to get rid of it by any means necessary. Verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Your faith has got to accompany action. It's not enough to just hear the word, but we've got to put our faith to work. By looking in a mirror, we can gain an accurate appraisal and identify the areas that need attention. 
And James, he uses this analogy to illustrate that those who, who hear the message but don't act on it, don't, don't do anything with it, they're like somebody who looks at themselves in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what they looked like. Your speech is what you say you are. Your actions are what you truly are. Have you ever heard that? And the truth is that is not always the case. People's actions and people's intentions and vice versa are not always in line. My actions can say one thing, but my motivations can be selfish, can be based on pride or any number of motivations. But what James is saying is that this, for this to work, you need to be doers of the word. And the word says that my actions outward and my motivations inward have got to be rooted in Jesus Christ and bring glory to him. It's not only the appearance that is important, it is just as important the intent in my heart. You know what, I can hear all day that I need to lay aside that sin and I need to die to my flesh and I need to read the Word and I need to spend time with Jesus every single day. But hearing those things doesn't transform your life or give you joy through the trial. You've got to put action to the information or it's just information. And my motivations have to always be rooted in bringing glory to Jesus Christ. He must increase and I must decrease. And together... That brings transformation. And that is what Jesus Christ is interested in. So just a quick recap here on James. James talking about all the various trials that you might encounter in your walk with God and that you will face as you live for Him in this world. Number one, keep your eyes on the goal that is eternity. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Don't let your emotions control your actions. Put off all wickedness and sin. Be a hearer and a doer of the word. Let your internal motivation match your outward action and let it be in Jesus Christ, Lord over your life. God has given us so many wonderful tools to help us with whatever trial that we're facing today. And when we go to our second text tonight from 1 Peter, Peter takes a different approach when he's talking about trials. He's very specific on the type of trial that he is talking about that these people are facing. I think it's very relatable for what we're facing and we will face in our lives. He wrote this letter to a group of Christians that were scattered throughout the northern areas of Asia Minor where he had previously preached the gospel. He wrote to a group of people, included both Jews and Gentiles, and he addressed the letter's recipients as aliens. A word indicating that Peter was speaking not just to Jews or just to Gentiles, but to Christians who were living their lives in such a way that they would have stood out as aliens among the culture that they were in. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 1 Peter 2 and 9. I hope that hits close to home for you tonight. Because we are called to be that peculiar people. We are called to be set apart. I can tell you how many times uh, that 
in the last few months that I have heard something or saw something or, or just read something and the, the words to the song, this world is not my home, have just flooded into my mind and is all that I can think about. I can feel and I can so strongly relate to the people that Peter is writing to. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. 1 Peter 4, 12. Verse 13. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part He is evil spoken of, but on your part He is glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Peter is focused on people who are suffering for their faith. These new Christians are outcasts from their family and friends who are suffering persecution for their faith in Jesus. Peter begins to lay the groundwork for our text in chapter 1, verse 3. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He gives us a focus. No matter what you're facing right now, continue to look to that hope that is in Jesus, that will never fade away, that is reserved for you in heaven, and nobody can steal that. This trial that you're going through, that's just for a season. And when you come out the other side victorious, the faith that you have that has been tried by fire will be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What a promise that we have. What a hope that we have today. He's saying that when you're in the fire, when you are in that trial, when you feel that friction for my sake, don't focus on the fire. No, keep your eyes on Jesus and the hope that you have in Him. And you will come out the other side with a faith that is more precious than gold. Going to chapter 2 to 3, he deals with putting off sin. He talks about the importance of submission. Dearly beloved, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 2, he says, I beseech you as strangers... And pilgrim, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be your good works which they shall behold. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Be set apart. Let your old ways die as you are a new creature. Let your actions speak for you. When they are in line with the will of God. I'm noticing a pattern here from James. Peter goes on and he deals with submission. He talks about submission to government. 
Masters to servants, husbands to wives, wives to husbands. You know what, I think that's really important because I think there's a danger when we're going through a trial at times to think, why me? Why me, Lord? Why do I have to feel like this? Why do I have to feel this discomfort? Why do I have to feel like there's a target on my back? Why do I have to feel like I'm always swimming against the current? And the whole deal with submission is it's not my will. Not my will, God. Not my choices. Not my comfort. Not my way. Your will. Your way be done. And if you don't have that settled in your heart, in all areas of your life, when the fire comes, that will that has not been set aside will rise up and want to take control and want to remove yourself from that situation. That situation that is there to refine you and to strengthen you for what God has prepared for you. Chapter 4, Peter tells the church to arm themselves. He says, arm yourself with the same mindset of Christ who suffered for you. He said, be ready for a battle. And finally, in our text, he tells them, don't be surprised when you find yourself in the fiery trial. In other words, be ready. Expect it. Prepare for it. And even... Rejoice in it. Because in that discomfort, you have found yourself a partaker of Jesus Christ's suffering. And make no mistake, when His glory is revealed, it will be to the whole world. And you who face discomfort or pain for a short time in this life will be glad with exceeding joy. Jesus. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Peter identifies the wrong kind of suffering, suffering for the sake of evil. Obviously discourages this kind of suffering which comes as the consequence of sin. He also mentions an evildoer and a meddler, two sins that can result in social persecution but not necessarily criminal persecution. Believers should avoid that behavior that is dishonoring to other people in general. Peter makes a really good point here that there's going to be suffering in this life no matter the path that you take. If we decide to go with the flow and to take it easy, to take the easy road, make no mistake that there will be a cost. There will be discomfort. There will be consequences. It might come later, but it is coming. In verse 16, finally, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. See, when we suffer for sin or poor decisions or our own mistakes, there's definitely some shame. We wonder, well, why did we do this? Or why did I say that? Why did I bring myself to this? But when we endure a hardship as a Christian, 
And that word Christian in that text, it wasn't a word that was commonly used at that time. Peter is making a statement to these people. He said, you are to be like Christ. And when you suffer for being like Jesus, there is no shame in that. And we are to glorify God for the honor that it is to partake in the suffering for Jesus Christ. And you know what? The world might look down on you. They might give you labels that are hurtful and untrue. And I'm telling you right now that this is but for a season. And don't lose hope today because Jesus Christ, the righteous judge, is going to use that trial for good and for His intended purpose in your life. Amen. Let's all stand. James and Peter, they tackled some different aspects of trials. But I think what is so interesting is the similarities in how Christians are to deal with them. Whether it's the various trials of life that we go through or whether it's a very specific trial that we are enduring enduring as a direct cause of our faith in Jesus Christ and standing for His Word. The Bible tells us that we are to keep Jesus as our focus. In all things, our hope and our strength and our motivation must always be in Him and for Him and that we are going to see Him one day. We're to put off this world and the things of this world and the things of our flesh, our old lives, are passed away, and we align ourselves and we submit ourselves to His Word and to His voice. We are to be a hearer and a doer of the Word, and in so doing so, we prepare ourselves for the time that we are called to take a stand against the current of this world. When the time comes, and you are to take a stand against the flow of society, Will you be willing to swim against the current of popular opinion and acceptance? Or will you go with the flow that's comfortable? It is so important that we ready ourselves and we prepare ourselves. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.